UX Podcast Episode 139. Hello, this is UX Podcast, hosted by me, Pat Axbom. And me, James Roy Lawson. We're balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. And we have part two of our show with Melissa Perry and Yevgenia Grindlow for you. Uh, and in part one, we talked a bit about, and you'll have to listen back to that if you haven't already, uh, we talked a bit about the lack of formalized education in UX, the importance of meeting others in the same situation, and the value of bringing in someone from the outside to create a sense of urgency or just inspiration. Mm. We need sharers. We do. The importance of, of people sharing knowledge, which yes. we try to do, do for you every single week or every other week. Yeah. And this, in part two, we move more into um, us as leaders or becoming leaders or the challenges of being dropped into to new management roles. Mm-hmm. What do we do? How do we cope with that? What can you change um, around you and what can't you change? What's mm-hmm. going to be the struggle? Um, and, well, make the best of the, of the world that we live in. Yeah, and we'll start you off with the same question that Yevgenia posed in part one. In most apps, mobile customer service is just a contact us link that launches an email. UX-wise, this sucks. However, using the Zendesk Embeddables mobile SDK, you can improve your UX and bring native in-app support to your app quickly and easily. Learn more at zendesk.com slash UX podcast. Do you think it's possible or how would you go about spreading that value or, or the why behind product in an organization that's large enough that it's not enough to just shout at once in one room? Yeah. Oh, uh, before you answer, Melissa, mm-hmm. I'm just, just reflecting on that question itself, that in an organization, having to ask an organization why they're doing something, and that's <clears throat> the whole essence that so many companies seem to have just lost the why. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. a, You're asking on, on, about that on a product level but if you as an organization understand the bigger why of you exist then the product why should be more obvious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no it's true yeah um it's i think this really goes down to um this is like a blog post i'm trying to get feedback on so i can publish it but we talk a lot about product strategy mm-hmm. and where we're going to go as an organization and people think that's a plan about what features to build but it's really more of um understanding how to experiment towards a vision And the one thing that companies don't do well right now is articulating what the vision is um, from the top of the management all the way down. Mm -hmm. And then what are the big top line level goals that we have to get there? And those goals aren't necessarily like make $2 million next year. That's really a terrible goal. The goal should be more like, um, you know, something qualitative dealing with user experience, but also married with like a, a proven business goal. Like we're going to expand our services into the East Asian market um, and try to acquire at least, you know, 200,000 new customers there by building banking solutions for them that actually meet their needs, right? It's not about like imposing things down on them of what we already have, but we should say, hey, as a bank, right, we have this opportunity to expand into the East Asian market. We've decided that's a strategic move for us because there's underserved needs here. Um, We're going to go in there and really figure out what it is that will get us there. Uh, It's not like go make $2 million in East Asia. That's a byproduct of creating a good product. Like, people pay for that value, so you have to become value creators instead. But um, when I ask product managers what their goals are, I hear a lot um, of 
to increase the satisfaction of the user. And I'm like, great, how are you going to measure that? So I think that's like a piece of it, but they're not really relating it back to what goes there. And they don't know what's enough to increase the satisfaction too. Is it, is it you want to increase the satisfaction so much that all these people can go and tell their friends about it? Like how, how can you find out if they go tell your friends? And that's a noble goal, but it's also really hard to figure out what to do around that. So they have to be a little bit more specific with their goals. Yeah. And I think they need to start marrying it with mm -hmm. um, more concrete metrics around product life cycle and understanding like how to get your product out there in the world and be sustainable and successful and what pieces you need to optimize. And then marry that with that user experience goal of satisfaction. Like that should always be there. You should always try to satisfy the user as much as possible but that metric isn't specific enough for people to start experimenting. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, this mirrors a lot of conversations we've been having a lot at future workshops around briefs. Mm -hmm. So I think um, because of maybe older management styles or ways that we learn to be in other organizations, we're used to uh, communicating in a directive way. So here's your instruction, here's the direction, here's the yep. solution, mm. and we're very, behind on asking open questions or having the trust that asking an open question could lead to a better result than the first knee-jerk solution that you come up with. And that happens with products, that happens with specific decisions within products. Mm -hmm. And I think it can happen within organizations as a whole. Totally. I think that's leadership too. Like we have a huge problem with leadership at organizations right now. Uh, in general, too, it's not just with products where uh, people see the leadership function as um, the person who plans everything. So they're the ones who come up with the decisions. They go, go do that, go do that, go do that. Build it for me, come back in two months, right? And instead, we really need to start viewing leaders, I think, as um, coaches, right? So leaders should be so invested in building up their team and making these people the best that they can be mm -hmm. so that they go do the work. Like when you become a manager, um, and I think that like people see becoming a manager as a manager of, you know, like the product, right? And the decisions that get made there mm. instead of a manager of people. And when you say like manager of people, you think like project manager, right? Of you're working on this, you're working on that, you're working on that rather than um, a people developer, somebody who's really gonna go in and coach. And honestly, like I probably wouldn't be here the way where I am today um, without my manager, Chris Keen, who told me to go do that Skillshare class. Like he was a people manager first and foremost mm. um, in the way that he really sat with us and built us up and talked about, you know, he, he coached me on like, how do you set goals? How do you do metrics? Here, go read this. Here, go learn that. Um, hey, you should maybe learn a little bit of CSS. Mm. We'll get, you know, Derek over here, the head of um, you know front end, to go teach little classes at night, mm. and he he made sure that we were well equipped to do our job, and I think that was probably the best experience I've ever had with a manager too, uh, because he really cared about his people. Right, it wasn't more about the product. He was like, go make decisions, guys, um, and I'll help guide you along the way. Like if you're going the wrong path, I'm gonna pull you back in, but I'm gonna let you know where you have to go, and I'm gonna let you try to get there. Um, and I think that was the most effective like leader I've ever seen. And I haven't run into many people like him before. And I think we just need to think more about people in these senior roles as ones that kind of set where you want to go and just let people try to figure it out, keep them on the tracks and, uh, you know, just really help 
understand how we can make those people better. Because those are the people who are going to be leading our business one day, mm -hmm. right? Like they grow, that senior person's going to leave, they're going to retire, or they're going to move on and find better opportunities. Those younger people are the ones who are going to go into those roles. And if you don't train them when they're junior, they're going to be screwed when they're senior mm. because they have no idea what to do. And the only mentors they ever mm. had were these people giving directives. So that's what they think they have to do. Um, and I think that's what really screws us up in this whole uh, product development world. That's really interesting. So would that be our responsibility? Because all four of us are coming from the outside into companies for a while. Yeah. And a lot of people inside those companies, they know exactly what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. They've been through it. They just lack the confidence to apply it. And to get that confidence, you need good, le good leadership. Totally. So instead of just leaving and, and helping stuff and people do their work, is our responsibility then to educate the leaders to be better leaders to actually get these people to apply what they know already? It's a tough mm. question because, um, one, you might have somebody who's so not receptive mm -hmm. to becoming a better yeah. leader. Um, you might be able to solicit outside help. Uh, when I was coaching um, one team, I think last year or the year before, uh, we were mentoring the CTO to be a better leader. Like we'd go in with him and do coaching sessions and um, really just develop his skills. And he went from, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Oh my God. Like, and he, you know, he was promoted from a developer. Like he was only known development, never managed people mm. before, but he started the company. It grew, it became a really successful business. Now he's a CTO, um, but he was super receptive to it. And he started really applying those skills of just how to, how to set like good goals for people, how to coach them, how to draw the line when people were actually not doing what they were supposed to be mm -hmm. doing. He had a really difficult group of people he had to deal with. Um, but he did, uh, coaching every single day, every single day he met with like a leadership coach who just would walk him through that, walk through specific problems. And he became a fantastic CTO from it. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, it might not, I think, there should be a drive. There should be encouragement for everybody in organizations to go get the professional development they need. Um, it might not be up to like those people at the organizations to coach their leaders, but suggesting that, hey, we should all get some leadership training, right? Mm -hmm. We should all know what we're doing. Um, might be like a good place to start and help solicit people from the outside. Yeah. Following on from your question, Per, though, I wonder, <coughs> do, we, do the organizations um, have the incentive mechanisms and um, the KPIs for these managers that we're talking about. Fantastic question. Mm -hmm. To enable them or to give them the kind of encouragement uh, to, to, to make these changes we're talking about. Because we're, we're now yeah. giving solutions about how we can train them, it's how true. we can right. kind of build up yeah. their, their you that's knowledge. Totally, that's you have right. to change the KPIs yeah. again, objectives, key results. If, yeah. they're, if, they're, if they've got to kind of increase sales by 10%, yeah, they don't care about the management. They don't give a shit what we're talking about now. Yeah, and they're going to take their best guesses and tell people mm. to go do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's exactly it. I don't know that it's the responsibility of other people to mentor leaders. Mm -hmm. I think it's the responsibility of leaders to develop themselves first. Yeah. So when I became a manager, I had no idea what entailed mm. and there was so much to find out so we had um, a lovely gentleman by the name of Stephen Helens come in and spend uh, a few sessions with me where he opened my eyes to things like I mean this sounds so ridiculous now that it was a new thing but people are different and they communicate differently mm -hmm. and they're gonna need totally different management styles from you not just along their career, but in different times of the week or the day, if they're doing something new for the first time, they're going to need more support and more direction. Yep. If they're doing something for the millionth time and you're there saying, oh, well done, they're going to think you're a condescending ass and they're going <laughs> to tell you that. And I've been in that situation yeah. before. 
and also just appreciating where people are in their journey and what they're aware of knowing or not knowing. We were talking about this earlier a little bit about where your perspective is. It is so different when you're junior. You may think that you know a lot more than you do because you don't know the boundaries of what's mm. available. Yeah. And you have to be able to manage people's anxiety as they grow more senior and realize, oh, everything I've been doing for the last year or two is only just the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more and they go through that dump of ah, the slump of, you know, I'm actually not as good as I thought. So there's all these really exciting but challenging moments in people's career development that mm -hmm. I think you have to manage for yourself in your own career and then help other people too. And you know, we're talking about an education gap in, in product or in UX in particular, but I think there's an education gap in leadership as well, mm -hmm. where when I got started, my best resource was to go down to the local community center and sign up for a mentorship program to mentor a kid mm -hmm. in a school nearby. And just so I could get the training in, in things like active listening and oh. conversations. and Smart. Well, that's fantastic. You took yeah. the incentive then to actually educate yourself. Mm -hmm. So you already mm -hmm. were equipped, even though yes. you maybe didn't realize it. Yes. You were already mm -hmm. equipped with that leadership thinking, management thinking. Mm -hmm. To, to, mm. to, to put yourself, mm. keep yourself on track because you're already on track. And I, and I have to say, you know, I took so much from that experience mm. verbatim and just brought it back into my mm -hmm. team and they didn't know where it came from. Yeah. And I would tell them things like, you know, let's talk about the way that you listen or let's talk about um, these instances in which I think you were trapped in your own mind and you mm. weren't empathizing with the other person mm. in, in this mm. conflict situation. And I've been told things that are really humbling, like, you know, I was able, thank you for saying that, I was able to take that into my personal life as well. And those are things that are so enriching for you as an individual and so flattering and mm -hmm. so great. And, you know, I do give credit to my organization for giving space for that and just letting us have in our budget as a manager and in, in our schedule, we, we get to have an hour to spend every two weeks with each of the people we're with in these catch-ups. But that doesn't happen everywhere, and you can't really measure it in the short term. Somebody being happier in their relationship as a result of having a good manager at work mm -hmm. is not something that's going to be valued in every organization. Yep. True. And, oh, yeah. and, that's, and that's a sad thing, but, but it's also a reality that we have to, the, the reality we have to live inside of. And what do we do with that, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it all goes back to the values that we exercise. So for me, I'm really lucky because I work in a company that was set up by a man who said, I just want to create a better work environment where people love to come to work and they can do things and be proud of what they make. And that was his mission. Mm -hmm. But I'm also aware that that's a very privileged position to be in. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Because one of the most common questions at a conference like this is that people really get it. They love it. They love all the speakers and what they're saying. Uh, I want to go back home and do this now. How do I get buy-in for doing it? Yeah. That's the most common question. And some of us answer, uh, just do it. Go and do your backyard usability testing. Mm -hmm. uh, do your research. Do your five-minute interviews. Some of us answer, we've uh, just changed job. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, and that was my point. So <laughs> when, how do you know when, when is the time to change job? Because that's sort of where we started this discussion as well. It's probably mm -hmm. time to change jobs. And that has to do with leadership. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I think leaders, uh, I heard mm. this uh, thing in my graduation mm. speech when I graduated from, from college, and it stuck with me. It's such an amazing insight where the people we look up to today who are leaders, who are leading the way for things, we didn't see the struggles they went through and how lonely they felt and how isolated they must have felt or how crazy they felt mm -hmm. when they were leading a change and they were being told, no, it's impossible. 
you can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. It's wrong. We only see them over the hump when they've succeeded and they got that following. I was watching a, a, a film about Nelson Mandela the other day. Mm -hmm. What a great example of someone who was seen as not just a crazy person, but as a criminal, criminal. Yep. for most of his life. Mm -hmm. And now we we see him as an incredible leader who's changed the world in, in a better direction. And I think it's really an individual path of being comfortable with anxiety and discomfort and being comfortable with loneliness and knowing to draw the line when you're really sick or you're really upset and you need a change. But I, I don't think there is a right answer. No one's going to tap on your shoulder and say, yeah, you're no, doing no. the right thing. Yep. I think you've got to listen to yeah. something inside. Yes, exactly. And Take responsibility feeling. for your own emotions mm -hmm. and decisions. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. That was excellent. Was a wonderful <laughs> conversation <laughs> with you both. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. And thank you for teaching that workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Definitely for coming. going to take it back and mm. put the mm, lessons <laughs> into our work environment. This whole thing about the education gap, which is which was the, the, the thing that sparked us off with both conversations with Melissa mm. um, and uh, Evgenia um, at USLX um, on separate occasions, we, we were kind of thinking, well, God, this getting getting people up and running that are kind of new to UX or new to, to the design world that we're, we're working with was, was a big problem. And I found there was some, um, some research recently out um, which said that, um, I think it was last year, US students, 59% of students said they were well prepared to apply their knowledge from education to the real world. Oh, yeah. And just, just 23% of employer, employers said so. And that gap apparently was, was for 2015, which these figures are from, was the biggest it had been for for a number of years. Mm. Um, so, so recent recent graduates, anyway, seem to be overly confident in their abilities, and companies are kind of more disappointed with what skills they arrive at, and, which, and, is and a, which is a very big. Right, and does that does that change? Because what Melissa was saying that half of the the people she spoke to about her course, people were put in a product management role, and they had no idea all of a sudden what they were doing. So at that point, they realized probably they said yes to the role, thinking they could, knew how to do it, and then and they realized, oh my god, this is something completely different from what I pro probably anticipated. Yeah, that was another figure yeah. in this uh, little mm -hmm. survey I read was talking about how that that expectation, the expectation expectation of in on the job training. Mm -hmm how that had also changed as well. Because the confidence of, I've got all the skills I need, that rises. So your expectation that you'll need to be trained when you arrive mm. on the job was lower. Yeah. Because you don't think you need any more, because you're already prepared. Ooh, yeah. Mm. So, so this whole thing about kind of, it's good to have confidence, but um, I mean, how, if you're not realistic about the confidence and the situation you're getting into, and, and as Melissa said, that you know, a lot of these organizations the people who are your managers or bosses have no understanding themselves about what they've asked you to do. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a box being drawn in an org chart. You've been pulled in. You're put into that box. And then, you know, they're just waving at you from the shore as you sail away in your little, um, little <laughs> UX, UX boat. Yeah, that's so true. And it, it is kind of scary when you think about how many people are in this industry who have no idea what they're doing. And they have managers who don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, mm. So how do you get help? And that's where, of course, leadership comes in and, and the importance of having great leaders. Uh, but there's also an opportunity for there. there. And we've talked about this in, in our early, early, early episodes about how there are so many people in this industry who also take advantage of customers and, and consumers, uh, mm. billing them for stuff that they don't really need. 
and doing it in the wrong – Melissa sort of uh, softly criticized how people come in, they do their agile workshops, and then they leave, and p- the companies think, okay, we're going to do agile now or lean, and uh, everything's going to be much better. But you need that long-term commitment to, to, to making a change, and that's why they came back to her six months later and realized, oh, my God, what you taught us, we've implemented it, and now six months later we've come to a, a point where we've realized that this is the way to work. But you need to have that um, commitment and, and – I don't know, just uh, be able to persevere through everything, all, all, put all the effort into it in a real sense. Yeah, there was, was a good point that Melissa made as well about um, oh, basically we need to take care of, the, of, the, of these overconfident youngsters that are coming <laughs> in. So what did, you, what did Melissa yeah. say? Um, if, you, if you don't train them when they're junior, they're going to be screwed when they're senior, <laughs> is what Melissa said. Yeah. Um, and, you know... Or maybe not. Th- maybe those are the really bad bosses that you have. When they become senior, they just do it wrong, and, and just the performance is bad. But I've seen so many people actually be able to do bad work and still stay confident, which is really bad as well. Oh, then then you're then you're lacking you're lacking the self insight, which is a, another important yes. point of what we've been talking about. That that. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. said as well about um, that you. It comes from the inside. You've got to, you've got to be able to train yourself as a leader. Yes. Oh, that was so. It's, it's, I it's, loved when she was talking about that. How she herself was committed to. She realized I have to learn more, and she really committed to th- doing that. And that's the self insight that you're saying. It's so so important. But that's that's one of those mm. skills which I mean, you don't normally sign up for a for a uni course mm. or or whatever about kind of like self you know, self understanding or, or insight. That's. That's not normally a module, is it? No, but no, exactly. But <laughs> as a leader, then coming back to leadership, you need coaching skills, because what Melissa was saying, they were both mentioning uh, mentors and coaches uh, by name, which I loved because they were so, so thankful, bosses, thank, yeah. so thankful to the, for these people in their lives, who had taught them to what they needed to know, but also taught them to pursue that knowledge by themselves and not just expect it to be served to them, but they were actually. Mm finding out everything by themselves so they were doing the work for themselves that is true coaching <clears throat> i think we i think we all have we have all have two managers that we mentioned we mentioned that one that was a nightmare yes which, which taught us an awful lot when you look back from your when you've worked a number of years and you look back and you realize the manager that was terrible teaches you an awful lot and then you mentioned the other one which was that manager which Oh, you were so sad the day they left, and or the day you moved on, because they taught they also taught you a huge amount, and the, you you still remember you see how they coached you and made you grow as an individual, but you maybe didn't realize it at the time. So, so you've got, I mean, you, you've got to have, I think, those both extremes as part of your 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 journey um, through your mm-hmm. career. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd want to take away now. I, I wouldn't want to take away the bad managers. You know, have more no, of the good true. managers. Of course, it's all an experience, and that it's, it teaches you whichever way it goes. But it also depends on if you have a learning attitude towards that experience. There are so many gold mm. nuggets in, in this talk. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it not an interview now because I'm calling it a talk between the two of them. <laughs> it's a co- as a conversation, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, what I picked up from, from Melissa that I wrote down as well when she was talking about product strategy, and we talked so much about strategy in, in the UX podcast as well, but she was saying, Product strategy is understanding how to experiment towards a vision. So it's all about experimenting, and I love that because everybody's talking about these documents that nobody reads that you have to <laughs> uh, author uh, because a manager tells you to, and then you have this strategy that nobody even knows or understands how to implement. 
but it's the, mm. the strategy should be more of a behavior within the organization, the behavior or willingness to experiment, to learn more. And also when she was saying about lean, it's not about quality. Uh, oh, no, sorry, it is about quality. It's not about cheap and fast. That, uh, many <coughs> people think that when I come in as well and people work in Agile, well, we can do it much faster because we work in an Agile way. No, you can't work faster. You just do it better. It's more Agile. So you put it in front yeah. of users more often. Sometimes, yes, as she was saying, it is faster, yes. But that's not the point. Yeah, I liked as well that uh, Melissa talking about satisfaction, mm -hmm. kind of like in increasing satisfaction of the user as a as a as a metric, and that's kind of not you know, should always be there as part of your baseline, yeah. and and you know you, that's not what you should be focused on measuring. Um, you need to think a bit beyond the, the the defaults of the things where everyone expects. What I realize now is how thankful I am that we're recording all these conversations with all these smart people because. I got so much out of listening back to this, so much more than I got sitting at, at the table with them because now I, I caught points that have changed during the course since I've heard them talk. And uh, we've talked to other people in between, like with Andy Budd in the last episode about leadership, and now hearing them again, it, and it all connects. We, we can connect the dots. Uh, that's, really that's, a, that's a very good point. I mean, I, I was thinking as well about how um, we've had a lot of conversations during the last, oh, maybe... 12, 18 months um, on the podcast with a number of people and and you can see, you can feel how we are maturing as an industry. I mean, we're looking looking back to conversations with Lisa Welshman about you know her call to arms to stand up and do what we feels right and the, the, the conversations we've had about, about um, UX strategy and all the conversations about um, leadership. Um, Alan Cooper's um, 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 I've got a dream speech and, and talk that we interview we had with him. There's a there's a lot of stuff that's now kind of saying, look, you know, yeah, we are, we we've got to we've got to be more. We've we've got to wake up to to the the role what we have and the the level of maturity we've reached and um, and where where we are in our journey as an industry mm -hmm. and as individuals and 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 understand. The, how the journey is so we don't kind of crush the the, the new ones coming in and we don't mm. you know disappoint ourselves or or organizations with, with what we're doing um right now yeah. it's um it's a fascinating time yeah and it is hard now. and that's something i took from this this talk this conversation as well is mm. it is hard and you can decide if you want to keep pushing and persevering through doing what you believe in and what you believe to be true even if the organization pushes back or you can change jobs mm. But it is going to be hard. And if you do persevere, that's going to be reward itself in the end. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. And I, I, um, another, another final take-home, I think, from me is um, uh, our points that, or the points that were made from, I think it was Melissa was saying, uh, says that you know, what I'm about to tell you, what, what, am I about, what I'm about to teach you in my workshop isn't necessarily the way of doing, some, doing this. It's it's my way, and it's the way I'm going to show you. And I'm, I hope you can basically take this method and put it into your toolbox. And that's something I think we've all got to remember when we're having these arguments about, you know, oh that's that's not this thing, or that's not this thing. A lot of this doesn't really matter. This this you know, we don't have to get hung up on one way of doing something. There are lots of ways of doing something, and all our organisations are unique. All our projects are unique, mm. and they'd all probably be a lot better if we. If we, un if we were more open-minded and, and inclusive with, with um, how we're working and how we could work to make it better. Oh, I love that. 
Thank you to Sendesk for sponsoring this episode. Remember to visit sendesk.com slash uxpodcast to find out more about their in-app support. If you'd like to be a guest blogger for um, us and write a piece about an episode of UX Podcast, then get in touch. We're running a little bit of an experiment to, um, to try and uh, test out how it is for you guys to write some content and share your reflections on some of these shows. We'd love to hear from you. Just um, email us or get in touch at any of the social media channels. Show notes and um, our contact details are, of course, available on uxpodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. Knock knock. Who's there? Old web page. Old web page who? 404, page not found. <laughs> that, doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's terrible, wasn't it? Well, it's, it's an old web page. It's been, it's been removed. So when, you, when you're knocking and trying to get an answer, you get a 404. Okay. It's not course, there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's obvious. See? Of course it is. <laughs>